taking you on a journey for the pursuit of PPC. Welcome to PPC Rockstars. Get ready to rumble through the latest PPC news and views from around the blogosphere. Learn from our host and the PPC pros that will take you to the promised land of PPC profit. We're cashing in the clicks with the PPC Rockstars. Here's your host, David Zatella. Hey, PPC friends. Yes, it's another episode of PPC Rockstars, a special conversion optimization edition with the Greek god of conversion optimization, author of the book, Landing Page Optimization, lucky resident of San Diego, my friend Tim Ash. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, David. Uh, always a pleasure to be with you. So we're going to break a story here. You've you've been talking about a topic that's uh, very interesting to our audience and myself at your uh, conferences, conversion conferences, and we haven't seen it discussed publicly yet. So we're going to break this story wide open, and that is a discussion about the war between branding and direct response. So who's winning? Well, it's kind of like World War One. Everybody's losing. Just people, <laughs> hundreds of thousands are dying as soon as they stick their helmet above the trench. Right. I, okay. I, I think I, there are winners in, in this war. That's the problem with it. I can create a ceasefire here. If I Good. Want to do it. Good. Please do. Well, you know, it seems like we're diametrically opposed that the branding folks and the, the creative guardians are very different than direct response people. And so I'll start from the perspective of direct response, because really internet marketing is all infinitely measurable and trackable. And so the people that I find in this, that we mostly deal with are results oriented, say more direct response types. And if I look at the branding folks, you know, what I used to think is that they're unaccountable. You know, it's that joke Wanamaker once said, you know, half of my advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Right. Uh, right. So, you know, they're not held to any kind of ROI standard. They're very visually obsessed. The pictures and the logos and the fonts all have to look right for no particular reason. And they're also kind of control freaks, uh, you know, the slightest deviation from messaging or compliance people looking at your test and they can shut things down in a hurry. And then there's this kind of madman type uh, arrogance about it all. It's like we know what we're talking about. And the quickest conversation ender from the branding side is for them to say, quote unquote, that's off brand. And that pretty much shuts <laughs> down everything, right? Right, right. So that's not a very flattering picture, you could say. No. But on the other hand, you know, when I took a hard look in the mirror, the direct response side didn't look that good from their perspective either. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, you know, they think of us as just Wild West cowboys that are just doing whatever, regardless of whatever actual campaigns or anything else or the history of the company. We'll just try anything for a buck. Uh, it's kind of like the Ginsu. You also get two <laughs> steak knives extra. You know, it's that kind of stuff. It's, and then we're in ethical gray areas a lot of times. One time I remember we had a client that wanted me to test. It was in the insurance industry and they need to have a certain disclaimer text. And the Federal Communications Commission said it had to be, quote unquote, above the button, this disclaimer text. So they actually wanted us to do a version in the test where we stuck that disclaimer text into the header of the page. So technically it was above the button, but it was uh-huh. not anything that anyone would look at. And it was certainly not the intent of the law, right. even if it applied to the letter. So they kind of look at us as 
Cowboys a bit unethical and just you know trying to get results and you know our our byline is you should test that as if that's the solution to all problems right right and so I don't know what do you think that not a lot of common ground there is there well I don't think they're mutually exclusive in other words they can be synergistic I mean really really smart advertisers know how and when to use branding goals and how and when to maybe switch over to direct response. Well, there's a lot that's coming out of the neuromarketing literature lately about you know, what effect the brand has. And so I think it's um, there's misunderstandings about what the power of the brand is or, or the impact of the brand. And the brand is, we, we kind of have two parts to our brain, right? The unconscious primitive part and the logical reasoning, figuring things out part. Well, the unconscious part is always taking in these massive amounts of information, something like 10 to the 11th bits of information per second, whereas the conscious part's really a slow poke and gets tired and can only for a very short time on small amounts of information. But they've shown that this unconscious part is always operating. It's always on. It never gets tired. And it's the kind of the context in which we experience the conscious part. I guess you can think of a brand as the context that adds value to your product or service or whatever you're, you're offering. And you can skew people with that frame or that that surrounding context. Mm -hmm. When is branding absolutely necessary? Well, branding isn't necessary. I would say it's branding is something you have or something you don't have. I mean, most of us don't work for a world-class brand like Sony or Apple or McDonald's or Nike or Disney. Site tuners. Site tuners, yeah. You know, brands like that. I mean, dominant global powerhouses. Right. But uh, I'm just half joking about that. Uh, but a brand is, first of all, has to be well established, which means you probably have to have poured a lot of money in it. And unless you have a very high penetration of awareness with your target audience, you don't have a brand. So let's just start there. But if you do have one, it's also kind of very hard to change the momentum of it. Oldsmobile tried to, back in the 80s, run these ads and say, this is not your father's Oldsmobile. Mm-hmm. Well, that was true, but it was your grandfather's Oldsmobile. And eventually in 2004, after 107 years, they shut the brand down because they just couldn't change its momentum. And all of their uh, car buyers were aging out and dying. You know, they couldn't resuscitate it. So, you know, big brands are hard to change the momentum of. So if you have one, the first step, I think, is to look at what your brand really stands for and not kid yourself about it. Right. You know, and, and that might not be that flattering. Right. So, is there a difference between the set of landing pages that one might use for branding ads and one might use for direct response? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that the the best way to answer that is, again, if you have a brand, you should try to align your landing pages with the brand. And what I mean by align is you should understand the kind of unconscious motivations of the people coming to your site. I like Phil Barton's kind of what he calls implicit goals. So all of us, as our brains go around scanning the environment, look for to satisfy goals like excitement or security or discipline, you know, things like that, that are in a sense of individualism or things that are not logical, if you will, but there are implicit motivations, right? And so mm-hmm. if you look at, uh, okay, what goals, what implicit goals does your product satisfy and is your brand in alignment with that? So for example, I pulled up the other day, Comcast sucks. I did a Google search on that and it's one of the most hated uh-huh. cable TV brands. I know, do you have Comcast? 
Yes, I do. Comcast yeah, Internet. I'm surprised it's still up. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, if you look at it, the brand doesn't stand for anything innovative. It stands for I hate you, right? <laughs> right. And, and so the first thing is to really take a look at what your brand stands for. And then if whatever offer you're doing should be in alignment with that. And that's where the problems really start. So, for example, if I said I'm going to have to sell this new exciting new sports coupe from fill in the blank brand, right? It's really not the ad itself. Okay, the exciting sports coupe activates again, excitement, adventure, things like that, right? But then if I put it in, say, the BMW brand frame, it makes sense because it's all about driving excitement and the ultimate driving machine, right? Right. That That's a good fit. But if I say exciting new sports coupe from Volvo, and eh, not so much, right? Because uh-huh. they're known for safety and weird, stodgy Swedish styling and you know, quirkiness and individualism, but not necessarily for excitement, right? Right. Hey, speaking of excitement, we've got some really exciting sponsor messages right now. <laughs> Stay with us. PPC Rockstars. We'll be back after we click through our sponsors. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know they're SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. The pursuit of PPC continues. Welcome back to PPC Rockstars. Here's your host, David Zatella. And we are back with Timothy Ash, also known as Tim Ash, CEO of Site Tuners and World Authority on Landing Page Optimization. And we've been talking about branding and direct response and uh, how the two can meet. I'm going to drop my secret formula for branding with PPC right here, and that is uh, running what we call no call to action ads, no direct response ads. In other words, we run ads for, let's say, a new product or a repositioning, run ads that contain only 
the company logo and maybe the byline that they want to be known for. And those ads don't get any clicks, but they get millions and millions of impressions for free, such that when the direct response ads are run, we've already conditioned people to think of this brand in conjunction with their messaging. See what I'm saying? Absolutely. I think what you're saying is important. One of the things about branding is you need lots of impressions of branding. Uh, So you're kind of preparing the ground, you're tilling the soil before you drop the seeds in that you hope to grow. So essentially, they'll get away with it. You're getting free branding, and that never hurts. Uh, Hey, there's another topic that I wanted to go over with you for the benefit of our listeners. You invented or isolated the seven biggest sins of landing page design. And I'm sure listeners will recognize their own landing pages when we discuss this. So why don't you go ahead? Sure. Uh, These are the seven deadly sins of landing page design are just very common. You could say almost endemic problems that people have with their landing pages. And so it's just a quick list. I have a whole chapter devoted to it in my landing page optimization book that you can use to spot problems with your landing pages, especially direct response ones, especially pay-per-click landing pages where you're paying to get people there. Uh, One of them is an unclear call to action. Sometimes they're hidden on the page or visually not that exciting. And one of the best ways to hide your call to action is to make the rest of your page really loud and obnoxious. And so if you have giant pictures or 196 point typeface with drop shadows under it, and if you have motion, God forbid, on your page, all of those things are going to kind of hide and obscure the call to action. And even though you're Graphic designer is very excited about how it looks. It's probably going to be counterproductive to your business. Right. And I would add one one thing for uh, PPC advertisers, and that is uh, our our friend Brian Eisenberg would say that the ad is making a promise that must be fulfilled on the landing page. Yeah. Now, that's very important. That's another one I talk about, which is essentially the continuity between the ad and the landing page. If there's a disconnect, that's a huge problem. And a lot of times pay-per-click people or you know, say, well, we're working on the traffic acquisition side and you website development people, you handle the landing pages. But that handoff is critical. If you don't keep right. the promise you're making on the upstream, you're going to have very bad reception. For example, I can say, hey, free sex in my ad and that'd get a lot of clicks. But then if I sell vacuum cleaners on the landing page, it's a bit well, of a disconnect. That could work. Well, I, you know, I don't want to hear about your kinky sexual practices. I don't know what you're doing with that vacuum cleaner, but for most people, that would be a disconnect. That's true. What other sins? Uh, another one was a lot of visual distractions. And again, it's very often these appear in tandem or multiple problems on one page. But an unclear call to action, as I mentioned, is often the result of visual clutter. And your designers, you have to hold them to a very strict standard. And my standard is, is this visual embellishment specifically designed to enhance the call to action on the page? And if you can't answer yes to that, it just can't be there. And that applies to stock photography, motion and sliders, even parts of the page like background colors and things like that that are non-essential. So basically visually you need to strip it down and make it boring and then just wash your cash register ring. Right. I think a good rule of thumb, well... This is, this is how I always guided uh, designers. Explain to me how this element is helping. Exactly. Helping, helping to uh, focus the visitor on converting. If it's not helping, it's hurting. 
Exactly. Exactly. It's just creating more clutter, more distraction, more options for your attention to escape. Right. Hey, speaking of escape, where do you stand on checkout processes that strip away or minimize the opportunities for off-page navigation? I think it's you have to be very clear what you're doing. So if you're in an e-commerce catalog, for example, discover products and be able to navigate around. But as soon as they hit that start checkout button, that's what I call a torpedo tube experience. In other words, you go in one end, you come out of the other. There's no side trips. There's no looping around. It's a linear process. Now, within that, you should allow them to go back and forth to the previous step and things like that to correct mm-hmm. problems. But essentially, yeah, at that point, once they say, I want to check out, and that's their mindset, you should strip away all of the other navigation, all of the category level stuff, probably even the whole top nav bar. Right. I get a lot of pushback from clients about that. For some reason, they're stuck on there. We, we have to mimic our site design. We have to use our template. And well, you can use the same color scheme. You can keep the logo and a header, but you don't have the navigation anymore. Instead, you should replace that with clear signposts saying this is step one of three and this is what's coming up next and so on. Right. Certainly. Well, that puts that to bed. Let's keep going with the sins. Well, another deadly sin would be actually too, too much text. As marketers, we're probably pretty articulate. We like to write in what I call marketees. You know, we're the world's greatest solution provider for, you know, fill in the blank. And actually, people don't read online and their attention span is that of a lit match. So as a quick exercise, go through your page, strip out all of the adjectives because you say you're great or fantastic or top rated. Unless you can objectively back that up, you shouldn't be saying anything like that. And then after that, you just cut the text in half yet again. Mm hmm. If you can cut out all of this objective stuff and then cut the length of the remaining stuff in half, you're getting to the right neighborhood. And it will increase conversion. It will increase retention of information. And the reason that it works is because it's less mental load on me. It's less cognitive load. I don't have to have my bullshit filter set on high and wondering what kind of unsubstantiated claims you're going to throw my way that I have to devalue and calibrate. Right. saves me a lot of work mentally. Right. So just the amount of text that explains the benefit to the reader and explains the benefit of taking the conversion action, and that's it. Nothing more. Exactly. Now, again, it's, if it's something that's uh, the consideration stage, you might have to have a lot more supporting information, but put that under a more details link. And then if I ask for that, give me the kitchen sink, give me complete information, or maybe even a download that has all of that information. But generally on direct response pages, keep the text as short as possible. Absolutely. Now, where do you stand? Is there a magic for a lead gen effort? Is there a magic number of fields that should be included in a form? Or is it just, is the rule of thumb just as few as possible? Yeah, the minimum number, the recommended number is zero. (laughs) Have to get a lead that way, though. Well, yes and no. For example, if you let me download something and your call to action is actually embedded in the download, You might be better off letting me download it rather than asking for my email address and emailing it to me. Now, yeah, I know you want to harass me with a follow-up marketing automation sequence, but you might be better off getting it into more hands by just having that download out there. And then the next step would be embedded in it. For example, we had a hearing aid company sold all the major brands, and they had this downloadable guide to hearing aids. I told you all about the insurance implications, whether it worked for your hearing loss and so on. And then once you downloaded that, the very last page in it said, hey, 
go and schedule a hearing appointment nearby. And then you mm-hmm. have the right to ask for my contact information and my zip code and my my email and my telephone number because that's what it would take to schedule an appointment. So, But they didn't gate that initial download at all. Huh. You know, that is a great tip. And uh, we have some good tips coming up from our sponsors right now, so stay with us, please. PPC Rockstars. We'll be back after we click through our sponsors. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising, or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. The pursuit of PPC continues. Welcome back to PPC Rockstars. Here's your host, David Zatella. And we are back with Tim Ash of Site Tuners. Been talking about conversion optimization and Tim's seven deadly sins of landing page design. Did we hit all seven yet? No, there are definitely more. Uh, one is a, a major issue is lack of trust. When we meet someone in person, we can make certain assumptions about how they're dressed, how they're looked, or whether they've groomed themselves, you know, those kind of things. And over time and interactions establish a relationship. But unfortunately, we don't have that same luxury when we come to a landing page. Our visitors are anonymous. They're there for a second or two. And it's not a two-way conversation. So you have one moment or split second, really 50 milliseconds or about a 20th of a second to make a visual first impression and to establish trust. So the production quality of your site's important. It has to be appropriate for the audience. And then any other trust indicators like testimonials, seals of approval, organizations you belong to, client logos, anything like that, safe shopping seals in the case of e-commerce, return guarantees, seals, visual badges of some sort that make me feel safer there because we kind of assume the trust and it's often not there. You know, we have giant sites that don't bother telling people that they have hundreds of thousands of clients and have been in business for 25 years, things like that. It's just, it's easy to put up a nice looking website, but without those other 
trust points, why should I buy from you? Why mm -hmm. should I trust you? Is, is a huge question people are asking. Before they give up their information, especially. Exactly. Do you generally advise page designers, especially form designers, to put some kind of disclaimer about how their information is going to be treated? You know, that's a two-edged sword, and it really depends on your circumstances. So I've seen, you know, we value your privacy with a little link to your privacy policy like that right above the button. That can often help. But other times, it actually makes me think, of why, what are you going to do with my information? So it brings it to my conscious attention, and it can actually be counterproductive. So it depends. If you have an unsafe situation, uh, psychologically unsafe or uh, unfamiliar to me, then probably extra reassurance is good. If it's a routine thing, then why would you bring up concerns about security or data privacy and, and put them in my head in the first place? So it's really quite situational, I would say, and you have to test which works best. So emphasize that stuff more or, or de-emphasize it and then uh, see whether that gets you any kind of improvement in matters in your context. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we are... Just a few minutes from the close, I wanted to find out from you, when is the next conversion conference? Well, it depends on where you are. If you're in Europe, our fall conversion conferences in London and Berlin are happening. If you're talking about strictly in the U.S., we'll be back for the third time at the Rio in Las Vegas in the middle of April. So mark your calendars. Just go to conversionconference.com. We sold out the last two years in a row. We keep growing. We've had about 40 exhibitors there covering all parts of the conversion optimization space. We had a lot of fun activities and the highest rated speaker program that we've ever put together. That's something I'm very proud of. So if you want your head exploding with CRO knowledge, four tracks now, we, we record the sessions. Actually, you can buy the sessions from this 2016 show, if you like, on the website as well. So on SiteTuners, SiteTuners.com? Uh, on the Conversion Conference website. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's ConversionConference.com, right? Exactly, yeah. And uh, so we have all 45 sessions, including three keynotes uh, nice. there. Well, I have attended and spoken at these conferences, and I can certainly attest to the fact that the return on the investment is huge. Well, thank you, David. I appreciate that. Yeah, like I said, primarily an educational show. We try to put on a good time and some fun side events, including my presidential suite after party and the zip lining yes. for folks. But, you know, you will learn a lot. You'll certainly be able to justify to your boss why you went there. Absolutely. It's going to pay for itself many times over. Absolutely. Well, Tim, thank you very much for coming on today. I understand you, you won't be on the internet radio quite as often anymore. Uh, you've had your last Webmaster Radio show recently. Is that right? That's right. So after a run of over 100 shows, the landing page optimization show has been retired. There's still that fantastic archive of basically me interviewing every thought leader in the industry. So check it out, landing page optimization. Truly. Well, thank you, Tim. And we'll have you on again and hope I see you soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on, David. You're welcome. And thank you, listeners, for sticking with us for another episode of PPC Rockstars.
The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. 